How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where you sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are, back at it again, walking our way through the Gospel of Matthew. So, if you please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. <clears throat> so we're going to continue on here, taking a look at some of the things of the... Uh, life of christ uh, prophecies uh, of him uh, as it is written it is fulfilled uh, where it says in scripture we went through this the other day about how all the prophets spake of him we're going to take a look a little bit more at that and a few other things i also want to bring up that might surprise you and uh so yeah so if you have any comments questions issues insights regarding the study at hand please by all means go ahead ask away if it's not related to the topic at hand if you just hold that to the end of the study uh, or to our next broadcast so we'll try to get to it then <clears throat> so we're taking a look now at the birth of jesus christ jesus who is called the christ uh, christ being meaning the anointed one the promised one the messiah the, the one the one that would come as promised of God and as God said how he would come and we take a look at what the prophets call him and the names and the titles and all these things and we see who Jesus is Jesus is not Michael the Archangel Jesus is not just some what well, well, the lesser son of God as like all the angels are called and others but rather he is the Son of God god the son god manifested in the flesh jesus is not just some lesser prophet jesus is not just some holy man jesus is the christ the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace that god almighty manifested in the flesh that's what the word of god says you have to twist and cherry pick scripture you have to literally redefine the meanings of the words you have to rewrite the word of god to make it say something else but when you study the word of god you see so many proofs of his deity uh, by his words and his works and the fulfillments of prophecy we see his his deity that jesus is god <clears throat> he is god he is god manifested in the flesh <clears throat> excuse me and uh we're going to take a look at some more of this some uh, proofs of this in Matthew chapter 2. All right. <clears throat> I hate this time of the season. So many allergies. They get super cold, and then it warms up, and it snows like crazy, and then it rains, it all melts. There's so much allergens out there. So it's bothering me a lot today. So please excuse me in that. So, with all of this, I really emphasize this because as I was just getting ready to come and sit down and start the broadcast, guess what? Uh, we got Jehovah's Witnesses walking around our block right now, <clears throat> banging on everybody's door. I guess uh, they're back at it again. <sighs> Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is Michael the Archangel, which is absolutely stupid because you got a really big problem with that if that if jesus is michael the archangel we're in a lot of trouble because well you got an angel a, a created being a limited created being dying on the cross you an angel on the cross and angels aren't eternal 
And then also, when you take a look at the book of Jude, you see Michael the Archangel is less powerful than Satan. So, you got a creature that is less powerful than Lucifer atoning for your sin? That doesn't make any sense. Plus, they believe you have to bang on doors and annoy people to earn your place in heaven. But yeah, <laughs> but who is Jesus according to the word of God? And Muslims believe he's just some prophet. Hindus believe he's just some holy man or one of the lesser gods of, of all the gods that there are. All different religions, different cults have different views on this. But let's take a look at what the Bible says. Now, in Matthew chapter 2, so grab your, uh, <clears throat> grab your tea, grab your coffee. Get your breakfast, come join us at the table with your Bible. Turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, keep at it. Trudge through it anyways. Keep going. I'm not going to let the corrupted flesh try to hinder or stop us. Alright, Matthew chapter 2. So we, we take a look here at... Uh, Matthew chapter 1 verse 24 then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus his name is Jesus and then we see a little bit of a break in time here between the last verse of chapter 1 and the first verse of chapter 2 there's a little break in time and this is also be partly why they put the the chapter division here so in chapter 2, verse 1, now when Jesus was born, and we know the story, if we go over to Luke, it uh, details the actual uh, birth event, as we see in the stable in Bethlehem, and the shepherds and the angels singing and all of that, and the shepherds uh, they came and they, they, uh, they saw who he was, and they went and told everybody, and now in chapter 2, verse 1, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, where Mormons say that Jesus was born in Jerusalem. Um, they say Bethlehem was part of Jerusalem. Uh, no, Bethlehem is a separate city, and there are multiple other cities in between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. But Mormons say that Jesus was born in Jerusalem. The Bible says he was born in Bethlehem. And the, pro and the prophet Micah says that he would be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is a separate individual uh, place and is not Jerusalem. Jesus was not born in Jerusalem. He was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. <clears throat> now, I just want to point this out. I need to slow down a little bit anyways. I'm just racing. Um... We see often around Christmas time and around the Christmas season a lot of uh, pictures and images of the nativity scene, and they show Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus in in the in the manger and the animals and the shepherds and then wise men. However, the wise men did not come at the same time as the shepherds did. Now, there's some uh, discussion on this of how old Jesus was, but he wasn't a newborn baby. The wise men did not come at the time uh, uh, when Jesus was a newborn baby. And 
Jesus was a little bit older. I just want to point that out. So we see that break in time as well. That is uh, this time when the wise men were coming. So in verse 2, that there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. They're coming towards the, uh, the capital saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now, now think about the kind of uproar and the problem that would cause. Now, this is from the east. How far east? Well, we're not really told. We're not told uh, how far east they're coming from. Are they be coming from China? Are they coming from uh, Persia or somewhere else? Where are they coming from? The Bible actually doesn't say, as far as I know, the Bible doesn't say where the wise men are coming from. But an interesting point here on the wise men, there came wise men from the east. Wise men means magi. When you look up the Greek here, wise men means magi, which means magicians. Magicians. Specifically, astrologers astrologers uh magicians of other kind uh, other forms of divination and whatnot what does the bible have to say about that a lot uh, that's that's sin that's abomination that's occult and that uh, and that uh, by practice of this that these men are great sinners and they need to be saved now if you take a look in uh isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. And then we see these men, these magicians who are from the east, coming to Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star. We have seen a light. We have seen a light. Look what they say. For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. We are come to worship him. That these men, uh, uh, what they were known as magicians, are leaving the land of, their, of that practice, uh, a land of darkness, and are following a great light. What does the Bible say? That you are a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path? We have seen his star. Now, this is interesting. Seen his star. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. But if we go back in the Old Testament to the book of Numbers. Hold your finger there in Matthew and turn back to the book of Numbers, chapter 24. Now, how many of you know the story of Balaam? Have you know Balaam and the talking donkey? You know, that story where uh, the Israelites are coming into the promised land and all of the people of Canaan are gathered together and they hire the, the mighty sorcerer Balaam to go up onto the mountain and curse the Israelites and all that to stop them and uh, to curse them. And then uh, as he's heading up there, this is where the Lord uh, uh, opened the mouth of the, of the donkey and then spoke against him, told him to not to go. And then he saw the angel in the way and then Balaam went up anyways. And he tried to curse the Israelites, but every time he tried to curse them, the Lord would would cause Balaam instead 
to bless them. That the Lord fought for Israel and stopping Balaam, the mighty sorcerer, from cursing them would turn his words into a blessing instead of a curse. Now, if you take a look at this in Matthew chapter 24, you'll note one of the things that Balaam actually winds up saying in verse 17, Balaam gives a prophecy. In, at the moment that the Lord it comes and, and changes his words, causes him to bless instead, some of the words that Balaam says is verse 17 of Numbers 24. And Balaam says in uh, Numbers 24, verse 17, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob. And a scepter shall rise out of Israel, a king of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheph. Now we take a look at this. This is a dual prophecy. Because this is talking about, for one of the things here is King David. that will rise up as a king and fight against Moab and all of that, which David did. But also the star. The, the, the star coming out of Jacob and also king as Jesus known as son of David. And what is Jesus? King of Israel. And you'll note throughout the scriptures, the star, the light that is constantly mentioned, the light, star, uh, uh, sun, brightness, uh, all these different titles that refers to Jesus Christ. The star is a term, a prophetic term uh, def uh, defining the Messiah, the Messiah Christ. So Balaam actually prophesies that out of Jacob will come the star, the bright morning star. Exactly. A star will come out of Jacob. It was is prophesying of the Christ Messiah. Now, if you take a look at Matthew 2, what does it say? What the wise men say? For we have seen his star. We have seen his star. So this is the moment of fulfillment of the prophecy. From the time when Israel was coming into the promised land. All that time and now it's being fulfilled. We have seen his star. Now, the other thing about the star. There is some contention on this, but I want to uh, bring an argument. If you want to believe differently, this is entirely up to you as in regards to what was the star. Now. I'm going to show you something uh, uh, in plain scripture. It's not a comet. It's not an asteroid. It's not a shooting star. It's not a constellation of stars. It's not. It's not any of those things. Well, how do you know that? The Bible says so. Where? Let's take a look. We have seen his star. Now, we're going to cheat a little bit and go ahead. Go down to verse 9. Go down to verse 9. Now I want you to pay attention to the specific words. Now you can say, well, and you can try to dismiss it all you want, but pay attention to specific words. I'm going to walk you through this. Now Matthew chapter 2 verse 9. When they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star that they were following that led them to Jerusalem. Now hold up just, just, just a moment, just a moment. Okay, you're from the Far East. 
and you're doing your thing or whatever and you look up and there's this star that is called a star this light this light in the sky and it, it it grabs you grabs your attention so much that you actually leave your home and travel by long caravan for who knows how long across and you're following this thing across and it leads you to jerusalem please tell me how does a constellation lead you from the far east to jerusalem how does a shooting star or an asteroid lead you from where you're coming from the far east to jerusalem because also look at this thing. <clears throat> so it led them to Jerusalem, and they finish up talking there at the king. We'll back up and we'll cover that. Don't worry. In verse 9, <clears throat> And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them. So it came to Jerusalem, and then it moved again. Came before them till it came and stood over. How does a star constellation, asteroid, or a shooting star, meteorite, or whatever, stand over where the young child was specifically standing over not just israel or jerusalem or bethlehem but over the place meaning the stable the place in bethlehem specifically where joseph mary and jesus were so what are you getting at it wasn't a shooting star wasn't an asteroid wasn't a star constellation any of those things it was literally a a supernatural light just as god led the uh, the children of israel through the wilderness by the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire he went before them and guided them in the way this light of god called the shekinah glory of god that appeared was a supernatural thing and it appeared it caught their attention and guided them there and then over to Bethlehem and stood this light of God stood over the area right where they were. It's a supernatural thing. It wasn't a roving planet or a constellation or a shooting star or an asteroid or any space debris or any of that kind of thing. It was a supernatural light. It's a supernatural thing. It's uh, the star, the light of God, the star of God, the bright morning star, uh, the light of God, the lamp of God that guides our path. That's what it is. So star is just a, a kind of a, a uh, just a, a title word that's given to describe what the, what this was. Like, how do you just, how would you describe a beacon of light in the sky right there uh, guiding you through like how it did the, the children of israel in the wilderness so it's just a descriptive word and uh we also take a look here <clears throat> at it says he was born in bethlehem again we covered that with the prophet micah chapter 5 verse 2 he's born in bethlehem Ephrata. so let's back up to matthew chapter 2 verse 2 so the wise men, these magicians coming, uh, where is he that is born king of the Jews? So they come to Jerusalem and they go before Herod the king and they're asking, where is the king of the Jews? So you, let's look at this from Herod's perspective. Pagan, godless, heathen, Roman king Herod. 
is confronted by these ambassadors from the Far East who say that they followed this supernatural light from the Far East that that uh, that was prophesied of and they're following it and they want to know where is the king of the Jews because we want to worship him. Herod would be like, come again? What? He'd be really perturbed. And look what we see in this verse 3. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. That means upset, shaken, really disturbed. He heard it when he heard these things, he was troubled. And look what it says. And all Jerusalem with him. So these guys didn't come kind of anonymously, quietly. No, it was a big thing. It was a big scene. These guys came in a caravan. It was a big parade, big thing. They're coming in. These were really, really high, important individuals from the Far East. And it was known them these strangers coming from the Far East had come to Jerusalem. So it would be spread all throughout the city. Not to mention, when they're saying, where's the king of the Jews? Where's the king of the Jews? They're going through. People are spreading this. So it's causing an uproar. Now, remember when I did my video a while back on, did the Jews know who Jesus was? See, Jesus didn't come quietly. He didn't come secretly. It was broadcast all throughout the land. Every event was broadcast all throughout the land. His birth, the wise men. We see the uh, the consecration at the temple and when he was eight days old by the by the prophets and prophetesses that met met uh, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus in the temple. Then they went all throughout the the city, all throughout the land, spreading the news that the Christ had come. And then we see the the uh, disruption again at the temple when he was uh, older and he was arguing with the with the Pharisees uh, in the temple when he was ten years old. <clears throat> and then at the baptism of Jordan, we see the proclamation by John the Baptist to all the people all throughout the land. And John the Baptist as well, uh, known as the Herald of the Christ. So the Jews knew exactly who Jesus was. So in all Jerusalem was troubled as well. Where's the king of the Jews? Now this title as well is Messianic. It's a messianic title. The king of the Jews means son of David, of the offspring, the seed of David. All Jerusalem with him. So when this had happened, verse 4, Herod then gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together. He's like, okay, we need to figure out what's what's going on, what's going on. So he gathers all the all the teachers, all the scribes, and all, all these ones, all the chief priests, gathers them all together and demands of them an answer what is what is this what's going on what are, what are these uh, far east magicians talking about and he demanded of them where christ should be born now why well what's the motive here herod why well <clears throat> rome is occupying israel Rome is taking over and is controlling, calls the shots, and the only rulers of Israel are the Romans. Uh, the, the Jews are not allowed any king of their own. Herod is king. He demanded where this one, the king of the Jews, now look at he says, he demanded them where Christ should be born. See, they knew. King of the Jews, Christ, it's messianic. They knew what this meant. 
where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet Micah, that he's referring to, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. This is, my, this is the prophet Micah says that, he'll be, that the Christ, the king of the Jews, will be born in Bethlehem. Okay, we got a problem. The problem's name is Herod. Now he knows that this isn't just some superstitious thing. This is a real thing. There's prophesied of this, that, that, that a ruler, a king, is going to come out of Bethlehem and there are and these these men from the east are saying that this has happened for it is written it is written by god it is written by the prophet micah he'll be born in bethlehem verse 7 then herod when he had privily called the wise men privately so he put out all of the scribes and the priests he sent them all away so there was nobody but herod and the wise men in the room privately when he had privily called the wise men he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared okay how how long how long ago did this happen when did this happen where did this occur so he wants to know why is he asking this because he wants to know okay how so how old this child would be so what oh how what age of a child you should look for was it 10 12 5 2 years old how how, how long ago was days weeks months how, uh, so he knows what to look for he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared and he sent them to bethlehem and said go and search diligently for the young child and when ye have found him bring me word again that i may come and worship him also uh-huh uh-huh that fox herod lying manipulating deceiving yeah king herod king, roman king uh, of of jerusalem is going to go and worship a jewish child in bethlehem yeah that's gonna happen but he's a he's a practiced politician he knows how to say one thing and mean another all politicians are liars. So he sent them to Bethlehem. Well, it said that he'd be born in Bethlehem, so go to Bethlehem. Bethlehem is that way. You go down go down the road till you hit this highway. Go this, go right. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. When, when ye have found him, bring me word again. Come back to me. Tell me that I may come and worship also. And when they had heard the king, they departed. Now look at this. And lo, the star that was there moved towards Bethlehem. So therefore, it's not a shooting star. It's not a meteorite. It's not, a, it's not an asteroid. It's not a constellation. It's something different. It's a supernatural thing. It, and it moved and it guided them directly because God is not the author of confusion. But you see what the Lord wants is he wanted the, the, the proclamation of the Christ Messiah to be public. 
So he uh, he did this. He led them to Jerusalem so that the message would be spread and everyone would know that the scriptures are fulfilled. It's not a private thing. And then then it got that then the, the the light of God guided them over to Bethlehem exactly to the spot. They didn't have to go wandering around knocking on doors trying to figure out where where he was it got him directly to the spot right to the spot verse 10 and when they saw the star they saw it move and got and it stood right over the spot they rejoiced with exceeding great joy because they found the king of the jews they found the christ they found the Messiah. Look what it says in verse 11. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. And when they were come into the house, the house, not stable, they now have a house in Bethlehem. So time has passed. They're no longer in the stable and in the manger. They're in a house now. You see? So time has passed. That So they're a bit older. How, how old exactly? Well, they figure they're a couple years old now. How long would it have taken to caravan from the Far East to Jerusalem? Would have taken a while. So they found the young child, not infant, not baby. Where we saw with the shepherds, they found the baby. But the wise men find a young child, anywhere from two to five years old. And when they come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother. So, folks, the, the, the reason I'm pointing this out like this is, is that words are important. Words are important. And that uh, descriptions, titles, capitalizations, punctuation is all extremely important. You need to pay attention to it. There is a difference between a baby and a young child. We need to know the meanings of words and we need to understand understand the proper uh, uh, punctuation and sentence uh, sentence structure, the grammar, the the uh, what is said, how it's being said, why it's being said. We need to understand the specific wording. Now look at this. The other thing too, they find the young child with Mary, his mother, and look what it says. And they fell down. That means to go prostrate, to fall on their face. They fell on their face and worshipped him. Look what it says. Now these guys, they knew exactly what this all meant. King of the Jews, they knew that this meant Christ. The Jews knew. King of the Jews is messianic, which means Christ. The Jews knew what this meant, that the Messiah Christ, as promised by the prophets, has come. The wise men understood this too. Now, I'm stepping into the realm of biblical theory here. uh, Because the Bible doesn't exactly say how this did or whatever, but we do know what the Bible does say. In that God is not willing that any should perish. That the word of God has gone into all the world. In Romans 1, we see that, uh, that, that all know, but many suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And that uh, they are without excuse. The people, all people are without excuse. 
Now, in the Old Testament, the prophets were also known as the Old Testament evangelists and missionaries. The prophets would go to all other lands, the Gentile lands. They would go to kings, uh, the other kings, and they would go to other lands of other nations to tell people about the Lord God of Israel. They were the Old Testament missionaries. You see Jonah, for example, going to the Gentiles, uh, Gentile nation of Nineveh and preaching to the Ninevites. And they all got saved. We see Daniel and, 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 the, and them witnessing to the Babylonians. And we see Nebuchadnezzar, Gentile emperor of Babylon, getting saved by the testimony of Daniel and all of them. And Nebuchadnezzar writes Daniel chapter 4. So we see they go into all the land. Now, uh, in archaeology, they found an interesting point. I know I'm digressing. I'll come back in a moment. I'm making a point. And they found an archaeology down in Egypt in some uh, ancient uh, pharaoh tombs. They found traces of cocoa in some of the tombs. Now, why is that important? Well, cocoa only grows in South America. There has never, ever, ever been discovery of cocoa plants growing naturally anywhere but South America, as far as I understand. And they also found that in Egypt, they found ancient shipping routes uh, uh, that Egypt used to trade, have shipping routes to South America. They found ancient uh, archaeological discoveries in South America of Egyptian origin, dating back thousands of years ago. So Egypt used to trade with South America. And what am I getting at? That the world was in contact and trading all throughout the known land. We see the Silk Road uh, contact with China. We've uh, they've actually discovered uh, Chinese artifacts in Israel dating back thousands of years ago because the, they used to trade with the, with people on the Silk Roads, all that. So the whole world was knit together. The prophets would have traveled all of this. The Lord, the Lord would have directed his prophets all throughout the known land in the Old Testament time. There were many, 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 many prophets that spoke of the Lord, and we went all throughout the land. So the word of God would have gotten to the Far East. The knowledge of the Lord would have gotten to the Far East. And they, they've actually found evidences of these kinds of things in China dating back thousands of years ago. So there's tons and tons of information on this when you start digging in. That the word of God went into all the world a long time ago. Plus, there is also the other aspect when you take a look at, and it's really interesting, is three times, I know I'm digressing, bear with me, three times we see it in Scripture of the, the power of God by the Spirit of God teleportation. <laughs> where we see, um, where Philip the Evangelist or the Ethiopian eunuch you know, when he met the Ethiopian on the road and he spoke to him, showed him Isaiah 53 and led, led, led the Ethiopian to the Lord. And the Ethiopian then cries out, look, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip says, well, if thou believest all thine heart, thou mayest. And they both went down into the water and he baptized the Ethiopian. And as they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. And he was found in the city of Azotus. And another mention we see is where the disciples are in the boat in the sea and Jesus is walking on the water 
and he comes over and he's and it says that when he stepped in the boat they were in the middle of the sea when jesus stepped in the boat they were immediately at dry land god teleported the ship and the 12 disciples and everything there to the shore they were in the middle of the sea then we see in the old testament with elijah where Elijah is about to meet up with Ahab again, and they're about to have the, the mighty uh, God off on Mount Carmel. And, and Obadiah, the prophet, who, is, who was one of the uh, servants of Ahab, who served Ahab in there, who Obadiah rescued all the prophets and hid them in caves so that Jezebel couldn't kill them. Obadiah found Elijah, and Elijah says, Go tell your master Ahab, I'm here and Obadiah got upset and says, why are you doing this to me? For, for we know that if I go and tell Ahab that you are here, as we are coming, the Spirit of the Lord will pick you up and put you down who knows where. The Spirit of the Lord will catch you away and set you down who knows where. So, miraculous supernatural teleportation by the Spirit of God was a, actually a known thing throughout the Scripture. It happened a number of times to the point where people like Obadiah would just say it so emphatically as a matter of factly. So my point is, is that it's also possible that God could actually just pick up his prophets and set them down anywhere in the world. There's, there's that. What I'm getting at is that the word of God had gotten to the Far East to the point that when this star appeared, these wise men knew exactly what it meant. They knew exactly what it meant. The word of God had gotten to them and they knew exactly what it meant. They knew that this was the, the supernatural thing of God and that it meant that the Messiah Christ is here, the King of the Jews, the Christ Messiah, and they want to know where he is and they want to worship him. What does that also show? In verse 11, the wise men fell down and worshipped him. So they believed the scriptures. They saw the evidence. They followed the evidence, they believed the evidence, and they worshipped Jesus Christ. Now, on a personal level, I'm getting emotional. Uh, on a personal level, this is absolutely just mind-blowing. Because some of the very first converts, people who repented of their sins and believed on the Lord and got saved, were occultists. Um, if you know my story, my personal testimony, I, I used to be an occultist. I used to be a practitioner of witchcraft. And then the Lord convicted me and I got saved, repented of my sins and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, my Lord God and Savior. And that to see these men, these magicians who came from darkness, they saw a great light, who walked in darkness but saw a great light and they followed this light and they met Christ, believed on Christ, worshipped Christ, they're saved. These wise men who were occultists left that and got saved they fell on their face before jesus christ and worshiped him so some of the very first converts were occultists 
That is just incredible. That just shows the power of God over darkness. The supernatural of God over the supernatural of darkness. Those that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And they followed the path to Christ and they believed and they were saved. They worshipped him. And look at also what they did. They worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they brought treasure. They, they, brought, they brought presents for him. And they opened the treasures. And look what it is. They gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, why is that important? This is rather odd. An odd present to give to a child. Why? Because frankincense and myrrh are burial spices gold is is the gift that you give to royalty frankincense and myrrh is what you give to get give for a funeral for life and funeral why because they knew these men knew what this child is for why he came they understood isaiah 53 about he'll, uh, he'll uh, he's come for the, the sin of the people he'll be put to death they gave him frankincense and myrrh for his death, for his burial. These men knew exactly who Jesus was. They knew exactly what he came for, what he was going to do. And they're showing their belief. They're showing that they understood. We're going to see these men in heaven. We're going to see these men in heaven. Now, one other little side point i just want to make on this um can you tell me in the comments folks how many wise men were there how many wise men were there how many wise men came to see jesus see details important Specifics are important. Tying scriptures together is important. Paying attention to the specific wording, what it says, what it means, how it's being said, how you compare scripture to scripture, rightly dividing word of truth, it's unbelievable. It's just amazing. That purely says, I don't think I know how many wise men were there. Well, you and me both. The Bible doesn't say. Tradition is there were three. I honestly don't know why it's the tradition is three. It doesn't say they're three. Now it does say wise men, plural. So that so it literally could be anywhere from two to to a thousand. It doesn't say. Well, okay, how many would you need to cause an uproar in Jerusalem by their arrival? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, it just says wise men. Now, they figure three wise men because there were three gifts. But that's just... That's just a, a, a guess by association, which, again, is just purely theoretical. Now, we don't know how many there were. So, three wise men because three gifts. Well, I guess the Bible says where two or three are gathered there am I in the midst of them. So, it's possible it could be three. Who knows? But it could be more. 
could, they could have had servants and other people because caravanning you need a lot of camels a lot of stuff and a lot of people so there would have been quite a crowd with them so this crowd of of high powerful ambassadors from the far east are now coming into little bethlehem to to this house so all of israel would be following this and all of israel would know that, that what this means verse 12. so they they finish up they find the child they fall on their face worshiping jesus giving jesus gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh and they finish up there now verse 12 and being warned of god in a dream just like how joseph was told in a dream about be not afraid to take mary your wife because that thing which is born of her is of god we see the wise men are warned of god in a dream and being warned of god so they have their own little caravan camp and in the night the spirit of god comes upon them and warns them that they should not return to herod do not go back to herod they they wake up and they realize that they all had the same thing and that they realize that this is of god now here's his thing here's a question how do you know something is of god because a lot of people ask that question yeah they always asking me this question how do you know that dreams visions experiences or whatever are of god well one thing that i tell people is that god is not the author of confusion and if you even have to ask the question i wonder if then it wasn't of god because god is not the author of confusion when he speaks he speaks abundantly clear and plain and absolute and you have absolute clarity without question or shadow of a doubt that this was of god and what then what you have is also lined up uh, with lines up with scripture it lines up in righteousness and there's no contradiction no confusion no issue so the lord would also be warning them as to why in all of this so there's no confusion no wondering so the lord spoke to them and informed them what's going on what herod's intent was and so what do they do they wake up and they depart their own to their own country another way they go on a separate route far away from jerusalem to get away from herod verse 13 and when they were departed behold the angel of the lord then appeared to joseph in a dream so it warns the wise men and then goes and warns joseph the, the angel of the lord appears to joseph in a dream saying arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. So right there we see uh, the angel of the Lord warning Joseph would have warned the wise men as well the same thing. Herod wants to destroy the child. He's lying to you. He's saying he wants to worship. He's a liar and he just wants to kill him. They're like, oh. So they get up and they get out. So uh, verse 14, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and fled into Egypt, departed into Egypt. Now, why Egypt? Of all places, why Egypt? Because it is written. It is written. Thousands of years ago, it was written by the prophet Hosea. The prophet Hosea. Look at verse 15. 
When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod. So they stayed there for years in Egypt. So Jesus grew up in Egypt for years. Interesting. Very interesting. I'll come back to that. It was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled. It is written, it is fulfilled. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. That's the prophet Hosea. So go back to Hosea. In the white pages of your Bible, the clean pages. <laughs> the hardly ever turned to pages. Chapter 11. Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. All of the prophets spake of him. All of the prophets spake of him. Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. And called my son out of Egypt. That is, that is a messianic uh, prophecy that's regarding the Christ Messiah when you look into it and called my son out of egypt and guess what jesus grew up in his in his early years in egypt as it was spoken look at verse 15 we see that that verse in hosea 11 1 is a messianic prophecy it is tied in in matthew by the spirit of god informing matthew that that was a messianic prophecy right there of hosea 11 1 that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, made a fool, because they realized his deceit and all this stuff, and they left him, and they didn't have anything to do with him. Herod, when he saw he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth. That means raging. Absolutely raging exceeding wrath fuming with fury and rage exceedingly wrath and sent forth he sent his army and slew all the children that were in bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof in the whole area the whole massive area making sure that he doesn't miss any any place in the whole area from two years old and under. So from that, now just hold on a moment. I'll come back. You see, Herod asked the wise men diligently when they saw the star, when they saw this, so he could know how old he was. And then look what he says, from two years old and under. So when you pair it together of what Herod was asking the wise men, and the time had passed from, from, the, from the shepherds to the wise men, Jesus, at this time, by what the wise men had said to Herod, Jesus was two years old. Jesus was two years old when the wise men came to him. You see that? When you pair scripture with scripture, paying attention to specific words, it tells us, it tells us Jesus was two years old when the wise men came to him. They didn't come at the at the stable at the manger with the shepherds. Alright. 
So just if you want to be hyper specific, there's the specifics, the facts, the details of the matter. Jesus is two years old, but by this, because why would Herod kill children only two years only? Why not five years and under? Because this is what the wise men told them. They saw the star two years ago. So the wise men, back up, the wise men were caravanning from the Far East for two years. They followed the star for two years from the Far East. That's far. That's a long way. So, and then it says they went back home. That's that's a four-year round trip. That's a long time. So, so they're caravanning for two years till they get to Jerusalem and then they go to Bethlehem for two years and exceeding joy because, well, they've been caravanning for two years. Of course, they're going to be also really excited. They finally found them. And then they're heading back. Take two years to go back. It's a four-year round trip. So my point is, we see this. Uh, they, so they came from two, uh, two years to, to the east. That's a long way. That's a long, long way. And then they finally find him. Jesus is two years old. And then we come down to here. So Herod, with this information that the, that the king of the Jews, the Christ, born in Bethlehem, has prophesied of, that the wise men saw the star and all this, that, that this king of the Jews, this Messiah Christ, is two years old, a two-year-old boy. So Herod informs his army, every two-year-old and under male, every boy, Two years and under, kill them. All of them. It's interesting. You go back in time, all the way back to the time of Moses. What does the devil do to try uh, the extents that the devil will go to stop the fulfillment of scripture? We see the knowledge of the promise of the deliverer that would come to deliver Israel out of Egypt came to the knowledge of the Pharaoh that, that this, this child had, had come. So what does Pharaoh do? Kill all the babies, kill all the children. Kill them all. But we see the Lord delivered Moses out of the hand of Pharaoh by sending him to Egypt. Uh, by sending Jesus to Egypt. We, we see uh, Herod doing the same thing. Kill all the children all the, and sends Jesus to, to Egypt. We, we see the tie together with Egypt. The world we see, uh, uh, the Egypt has always been a picture of the world in Scripture. Whenever it's mentioned, it's a it's a, uh, a biblical image, a foreshadowing, a picture of the world. We see Moses being delivered to Pharaoh in the reeds in the water. There's so many pictures there in a, in a little ark. They made him a little ark. Now, what's interesting is that is this basket that was woven basket and covered in and out with pitch, just like the Ark of Noah, as Noah was rescued, everyone was killed. Moses was rescued in a little ark and everyone was killed. You see, Jesus. Now, the ark and the basket that was covered with pitch 
you'll note something interesting. The word pitch. Now look at this. Just look at this. The word pitch is literally the same root word meaning as atonement. Atonement. The atonement. The Ark of Noah was uh, sealed with pitch. The word pitch means atonement. The same as what the atonement means. The basket of Moses was sealed by pitch, meaning atonement. And Jesus, our ark, our atonement, is what rescues us. And we see, and Herod tried to kill him. There's so many similarities, so many pictures. It's just incredible. Man can't write this. Man can't write this. There's just so much, so much stuff. It's just... <laughs> So let's take a look here. <laughs> now Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was seating rod, sent forth and slew all the children, killed all the children in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from two years old and under. Pharaoh, kill all the children. Herod, kill all the children. Democrats kill all the children, promoting and defending abortion and baby murder. You always notice baby murder, child murder is always something of Satan. I just, just wanted to throw that out there just because. Do with it what you want. Two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. See that? Because that's what the wise men told him, that this one would be about two years old. So he wants to kill everyone two years old. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah the prophet uh, spoke of this, about the killing, uh, the slaughter of Bethlehem. The slaughter of Bethlehem. Jeremiah the prophet. In Ramah there was a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they are not. And that is in Jeremiah... 31 verse 15 actually i forgot to write that reference in here bear with me one second jeremiah 31 15 forgot to write that reference in there you go so jeremiah 31 15 thus saith the lord a voice was heard in rama lamentation and bitter weeping rachel weeping for her children because to be comforted for her children because they were not it says Jeremiah 31 15. All of the prophets spake of him. They spake of the Christ, of his coming, of his power, of his workings, and how and why, and all of the events and all the things that, that, that would take place. So Jeremiah 31 15, Jeremiah, hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus prophesied of this, just as Isaiah did and Micah did. Moses prophesied of Jesus. The one who would come that would be prophet, priest, and king. Now, what he means by that, prophet, priest, and king? Well, it is talking about in work as, like a prophet, one that speaks in the name of the Lord. That's what it means by prophet, speaks in the name of the Lord. And priest is, what is it Jesus called? Our high priest. And what is Jesus called? The king of Israel, the king of the Jews, the king of kings. 
one that will come that will be king of kings, our high priest, and to, that will speak in the name of the Lord. And it was fulfilled. So Herod tries to kill Jesus. Pharaoh tried to kill Moses. It never works. Verse 19. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. So when Herod is finally dead, he kicked the bucket. The angel of the Lord came down and told Joseph, okay, it's now safe to go home now. Herod's dead saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. So, look what it says. Look what it says. Take the young child. So, how long did it take for Herod to finally die? Oh, just a couple years. So, so Jesus is still not, not a, a young man or a young boy, but a young child. So, we see that these words have a specific definitions of Jesus still just like a toddler. Just still a young young kid. Still a young kid. So like around five years old, may, maybe around there, something like that. So, uh, take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead, which sought the young child's life. Verse 21. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. Now, I want to get to another point. He came into the land of Israel. Verse 22. But when he heard the archaic Archelaus Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod. He was afraid to go thither because this is the son of Herod. So family and and afraid that this the the son of Herod would be similar and would be hateful and might might remember these things. It doesn't want anything to do with this. He's afraid of him. He doesn't want to go to Jerusalem. Doesn't want to go near Jerusalem. Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod. He was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, even though he's told, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. He didn't go near Jerusalem. He rather goes into the land of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth. There he is. Finally, the resting place, Nazareth. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophets, he should be called a Nazarene. Now, this is one that has confused a lot of people. A lot of scholars and theologians and preachers and teachers and people, a lot of Christians have been confused by this one because it says he should be called a Nazarene. Look what it says. That it was spoken by the prophets, he should be called a Nazarene. So there's more than one. More than one prophet has said that he'd be called a Nazarene. But nowhere in the entirety of the Old Testament does it actually specifically say anywhere that he'll be called a Nazarene. So what do they mean by this? What do they mean by this? Well, there's two schools of thought, and I'll explain what what, uh, CCT's stance is on this one. Uh, what my stance is on this one now he should be called a Nazarene for this we want to go to Isaiah let's go to Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 
Now in Isaiah 11:1 it says, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow up out of his roots. And then we go over to Jeremiah 23, 5. Jeremiah 23, verse 5. Jeremiah 23, 5. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. So this term that is uh, that when we see in, uh, in the scriptures, uh, branch, Many look at this and see this as a description of an offshoot of Israel, a branch, a, a branch shooting out. So we see Israel here, but the branch coming off. Now, why is that significant? Because Nazareth is hated by Israel. And the Jews don't like, the, don't like Nazareth. They don't like the Nazarenes. Why? Because Nazareth is seen as separated. And we see when Jesus came and, and calling his disciples, and Philip goes, calls Nathaniel, and, uh, and who says, does anything good come out of Nazareth? We see that Nazareth is hated, scorned, and mocked, and ridiculed. What did Isaiah 53 say? Isaiah 53 says he'll be scorned, and mocked, and hated. A man of sorrows, acquainted and grief. He'd be scorned and mocked and hated. Why? He is from Nazareth. And they hate Nazareth. Now, why? Because Nazareth was a bit of a mosaic of a town. That it, it consisted of both Jews and Gentiles mingling together. Living together. Jews and Gentiles. And not separated. Because the Jews believe that you should be separated from the Gentiles, have nothing to do with them. The Gentiles are not allowed to mingle with and live with and fellowship with the Jews. But in Nazareth, they did, and they were hated. Now, if we take a look at Matthew 28. Let's go to Matthew chapter 28. And we want verses 15 to 20. Did I write the right reference? Yes. 18 to 20. We see that Jesus as even says he's come for all nations, for all people. Matthew 20, verses 18 and 20. And Jesus said, uh, spake and says, All power is given uh, unto me in heaven and in earth. Uh, go ye therefore and teach all nations teach all nations, telling them all to observe whatsoever I've told you. And we see in Isaiah 66, and in the Old Testament, Isaiah 66. Let's go to Isaiah 66. I can never get there. Isaiah 66, verse, verse 18. Isaiah 66, verse 18. I can barely read my own writing. All right, <clears throat> look at this. In Isaiah the prophet, chapter 66, verse 18, For I know their works and their thoughts. It shall come that I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. All nations. Now, Nazareth 
symbolically represented this. All nations of Jews and Gentiles, as it says in Galatians, that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female, we are all one in Christ. And Nazareth is specifically associated with this of all nations living together and was hated of the Jews. Now, this is what I'm coming to the, the point here. He shall be called a Nazarene. Because being called a Nazarene is a slur. Being is a, Calling someone a Nazarene is a term of disgust. You are disliked, you are hated, you are being mocked. You're being called a name. You're being mocked. So he's spoken by the prophets, he'll be called a Nazarene. Because if you take a look at what the prophet's saying, he's coming for all nations, of all people, of all tongues, uh, for Jews and Gentiles. And the Jews will hate this. And they will mock this, and they'll curse this, and they'll deride this, as it says in Isaiah 53. So when it says he should be called a Nazarene, it doesn't mean, uh, uh, as in, like, location, specifically, but rather of what this term of being called this means. One who is associated with mingling with, with the Gentiles. It is written. It is fulfilled. And he has come for, for, for our salvation. He's come for our atonement. He is our propitiation. Not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He calls all nations to himself. Of a Jew and Gentile. He's the savior of the whole world. For God so loved the world. And look what we see. Some of the first converts. Some of the very first converts who got saved. Who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Were Gentiles from the Far East. Gentiles from the Far East. <laughs> He's come for all people come for all people then he goes to egypt the prophets would have gone all throughout the land through the whole world telling all this and we see the fulfillment we see the fulfillment and we go over to revelation wrap it up here with revelation chapter 7 some of my favorite verses revelation chapter 7 verses 9 and 10 look what it says Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number. Now look at the specific wording. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. Look what it says. Which no man could number of some nations. Nope. <laughs> look what it says. All. Now what does all mean? Well, to a Calvinist, that means a, spe a specifically limited, special, select group of people. Doesn't mean all, it just means just a special little select group. But rather, look what it says, of all. That means every, all, a general, all-inclusive, all nations. There were people standing before the Lord of all nations. Every single nation of the world. All right? Of all nations and kindreds, that means all kindreds and people, it means all people 
and tongues, meaning all tongues. That means of every single tribe, group, nation, people, language, kindred in the, in the entire world that has ever been, even people uh, that are now gone and extinct of, of nations and groups and languages now extinct, civilizations long gone, dead, extinct, people from every group of every language of every kindred of every nation that has ever been around the world have gotten saved. That means God's messengers, his prophets, his evangelists, his missionaries have gone into the entire world since the beginning. Everyone has been told, everyone has been given a chance, and people have been saved. People have gotten born again saved out of every single tribe, kindred, group, civilization, country that has ever been of all nations and kindreds and people and tongue stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our god which sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb these are saved individuals from jungle natives uh, uh, to africans to mongolians to chinese to australians to the natives of australia to the the natives of north america back thousands of years ago to everybody to the europeans up throughout the mountains north north pole south pole every every way everywhere across the entire planet everywhere from the jungles to the deserts to the islands and the sea from the from the palaces to the to the back country lanes every single person has heard has been given a chance for god so loved the world for god so loved the world he came for the world because he so loved us and he called and all people walking in darkness have seen a great light every single person has been given a chance every single person that has ever been that has ever lived has at some point in their life caught a glimpse of that light they've been told they've been shown they've been warned in some way some form somehow and all because the individuals can't figure out how it could be possible because they're supposed to be uncontacted god made a way because god is not willing that any should perish he's not willing that any should perish and if one single person dies and goes to hell having never heard then god is willing that some should perish and he's a liar but he's not willing, so therefore, every person gets a chance that somehow, some way, some form, even in ways that you may not understand how he does. He's not willing that any should perish, and God keeps his word. It is written, therefore, it will be fulfilled. So stick that in your theological pipe and smoke it for a minute. God is not willing that any should perish. He calls all. He calls all. And you see, see what it says here, even about these, these wise men, that means magi, that means magicians, that means occultists, diviners, astrologers, soothsayers from the Far East. 
Their eyes were opened. They saw the light. They followed the light. They understood what it meant. And they fell on their face before the Lord. And they got saved. And they worshipped Jesus Christ. They got saved. They came out of darkness because they saw a great light. God calls all. He draws all. He gives all a chance. How beautiful is the mercy and the grace of our Lord. It is written. It is written. It was fulfilled. It is written. It will be fulfilled. Because he is God. And he keeps his word. He's not a liar. He's not the author of confusion. When God says something, he's going to do it. Time is irrelevant. He told Adam and Eve that, uh, that he would come. And, and it spoke through all the mouths of the prophets. He even spoke through the mouth of Balaam. Causing Balaam, the Canaanite sorcerer who tried to curse Israel for all the Canaanites. He went up in the mountain tried to curse them, but God turned his cursings into blessings. And so that blessings came out of his mouth instead of cursings. And a prophecy about the star that would come, it, it was on numbers, was fulfilled. We've seen his star. We've come to worship him that is king of the Jews. And it was fulfilled. Through the mouths of all prophets, all that spoke of him, it was done. Of how he would come where he would come, what he would be called, what he would do, what events would even happen around him. He even spoke about how he would die, pierce his hands and his feet, even about the soldiers gambling on his vesture by the mouth of David, thousands of years before Jesus, all the details. Man can't write this. Only God can. It is so detailed. It is so specific. It's not written by men. No ignorant sheep herder cavemen wrote this, like Richard Dawkins says. This, this was inspired by God. Because all of these things were fulfilled. And you can look it up yourself. Look up all these things of people, places, events, and things. And you'll see it all happened just like it says. It is written. It is fulfilled. So there you go. Matthew chapter 2. All right, so there you go, folks. That's Matthew chapter 2. If you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon so you only put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other goodies and content, as well as checking out our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. Get links to all our other platforms and goodies and free downloadable gospel check PDFs. And as well, like I said, uh, about my personal testimony. There's a link there to my personal testimony if you want to go over that as well. And I also did a video of it on our YouTube channel. Uh, so you can find that in our playlist testimonies. Uh, and uh, I have it there, uh, the video version, or you can read. I, I typed it out. So there's the read version on our website. Uh, but uh, the, the point of this all is to see the power of God unto salvation. And the, uh, and the lengths that he goes to reach people. And we see the mercy and the long suffering of God. Even upon those wise men. Two years. They were traveling for two years. God waited with them and guided them for two years. The long suffering, gentleness, goodness, grace, mercy of God unto those wise men. For two years they traveled. 
and they, their eyes finally fell upon the Christ. And they were filled with great joy, and they fell down and worshipped him. I mean, how beautiful is that? And we see the light of God met Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. Suddenly there's shone about him a great light. Those that walked in darkness saw a great light. And there we see the great light again. The star God, the bright morning star, appears to Saul of Tarsus at Damascus. What happens to him? Falls on his face and calls him Lord. When the light of God, the star of God, the spirit of God, the righteousness of God comes upon you. Your eyes are open and you see. What do you say? What do you say to these things? How it all ties together. So there's a bunch of stuff for you to think about. A lot of homework. Go look at the, go look this stuff up. Check out the prophecies, the references I gave, the details, things that I talked about, and check it out yourself and share it around. So, um, is there anything else here in the comments that I might have missed? Okay, so. Um, Oh yeah, there is one other point I wanted to make. Yeah, I think someone mentioned it, but uh, uh, I missed it. Uh, one other tidbit that you might find re really interesting. I find really interesting. Uh, there is uh, about how Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Now, what does Jesus refer to himself as? As we see in it's John chapter 6. We see Jesus at the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4 refers to himself as the living water. He's the living water. Then we see Jesus, what he refers to himself a lot as, he calls himself the living bread. The living bread. I am the living bread. If any man eats of this bread, uh, he'll be saved. So we see Jesus referring to himself as the living bread. I, uh, I am that manna. I am the living bread. Now, it's interesting because Bethlehem, Bethlehem, the name of the town, literally means house of bread. There are so, so many coincidences that tie all this together, of all the details, all the events, all the things, there are so many. When there are thousands of coincidences, it's no longer a coincidence. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> That's why I personally don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe in chance, luck, or coincidences. I don't believe in any of that. But there's just so many things. It's just awesome. It's just, it's just absolutely awesome. And isn't he an awesome God? Isn't he an awesome God? I swear, God must chuckle. He he has to laugh. He's a God of laughter. He's a God of joy and gladness. He must chuckle when when uh, when we start seeing these things and we start rejoicing over this over all this to see how he how detailed he makes it. everything is intertwined it's just awesome he must he must get a good chuckle out of that how, how he ties it all together like that in such detail and then our just our reactions at it it's just awesome so praise the lord it is written it is fulfilled so go look it up check it out 
do the study yourself. And with that, folks, God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless. Thank you.